Hello, everyone. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. I'm Ivy Hilton, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Are you in need of a tech service company that's going to deliver the best solutions for your business? Then Actronica is your solutions headquarters. Here we specialize in your individual needs to make sure your business shines. For more information, please call 301-417-0070 or visit us at our website at actronica.net. Actronica where we deliver for you. Take a break. Breathe. Why don't you visit the Peace Village Learning and Retreat Center, 518-589-5000. Get off the grid and step inside your heart. Sister Jenna guides you through a powerful, encouraging, and motivating meditation that allows you to let go and become aware of you. Regain strength, power, and peace. The Meditation Museum in Silver Spring, Maryland offers a variety of courses and activities to make your life go a whole lot smoother. Located at 9525 Georgia Avenue, you will be able to experience the beautiful silence that's in the space. There are courses in Raj Yoga Meditation, Positive Thinking, Stress-Free Living, and Personal Development classes. For more information, call us at 301 588 or visit us online at meditationmuseum.org
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was Come Into the Light by Bliss. And we are at the Meditation Museum and continuously engaged in so many aspects of amplification of self-checking, emotional checking, emotional cleansing, getting rid of a lot of anxiety that's in the country at this time. All good, because whatever happens to us is always good if we're willing to see that there's benefit in every scene. And for all the calls and the emails and the text messages that we've been getting in the last week or so, it's been interesting to have all of us check ourselves from a very deep level to see what has been hiding within our own being. You know, we're talking about, you know, hate and frustration and stuff that was hidden in this country and and not spoken about and now it's emerging, but it's always been there. Well, similarly too, you know, issues that are inside of our consciousness now is also emerging. Stuff that has been hidden because we've distracted ourselves with football games, basketball games, soccer games, relationships, music, you know, drinking, partying, whatever it might be that's an external process. We're also beginning to reflect more. And it's interesting how the numbers for meditation, spirituality, finding some soothing music, going to a movie, they're more amplified in the country where individuals are just trying to soothe their spirit. And what I'd like to do is really to invite everyone to not put a Band-Aid over whatever you're feeling, whether it's anxiety or fear, rage, anger, emotion, because it's only going to come up much later on at some point. You're going to be sitting there hearing perhaps some beautiful violin music playing in the background, and you're going to start thinking about stuff of your past, emotions and issues that have touched you so deeply that you really don't know where to section those feelings. And so I'm really, really calling on everyone who really is a little bit raw, whether you're on the left or the right, just a little bit raw. Maybe those on the on, on the right are, are really having an, an, an incredible time. But to just identify with what the thoughts are connected 
two are the thoughts connected to an attachment that no longer has room to serve you. Are your thoughts connected to an attachment that no longer serves you? Are these thoughts that are attached not serving you? And the sign in which you can look for something that's old and is taking up space in your consciousness is when you're not feeling good. So the sign of that is when you're not feeling good. And so just to remember that that's important. It's your signal. It's your trigger. It's your time to turn in and to understand what's going on at a conscious level, at an interior level, which is what the show is all about. And I'm okay. We're all well. I know that on my third day after the election, I cried not for the candidates, but for our state of humanity, because I'm just like that. I've been in this part of uh, serving and amplifying the lives and the hearts of individuals. And it hurts when I still see children of God, individuals that are still in a very old story, whilst quite a high number of us have moved on. And what my thoughts have been is, what can I now be first and then do to help my brother and sister who might look at me in my white sari and think I'm a mess so I don't fit in a particular mold or in a particular narrative in which they feel safe. And so if anyone has ideas and stuff, please email us at americameditating at gmail.com so we can continue to see what good stuff we can put together. Now today I'm really excited because I met some young folks at Whoopi Goldberg's home about a month or so ago. And let me tell you, I heard some violin music that I'd never heard in my entire life. Today we're joined by Sean and Lauren Carpenter of the Carpenter Fine Violins, which is one of the leading boutique-stringed instrument firms catering to investors, musicians, and collectors alike. It was founded in 2010 by the Carpenter siblings, Sean, Lauren, and David, and is doing incredibly well today. Sean Carpenter is the chief executive officer and a graduate of Princeton University. He's also the director and co-founder of the Salome Chamber Orchestra and a collector of rare violins. Lauren Carpenter is the chief operating officer and also a graduate of Princeton University. And for the last five years, she served as a senior account manager at Google, an accomplished violinist and co-founder of the Salome Chamber Orchestra, Lauren manages all of the operational functions of Carpenter Fine Violins, including current offerings, existing client relations, and future acquisitions and consignments. And for those of you who are listening on the radio and you definitely don't have a video, they're also physically gorgeous. Welcome to America Meditating Radio, guys. So nice to connect again. Oh, hi, this is Jenna. Thank you so much for the warm introduction. Uh, my brother here is my other brother is here as well, David, and we have my sister Lauren, and uh, oh, we, we're so happy. We're so happy to be on on the radio with you. Hi everyone! So glad to have you Hi. all on the air. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Good morning. Well, I love it. I love it. Have you guys been busy since we last had dinner at, at Whoopi's? 
Yes, it feels like uh, a few months ago, or maybe maybe six months ago or a year. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long couple of uh, long long months. We actually had a, a great uh, concert at the uh, the Morgan Library about a week and a half ago, sold out, and we performed uh, four seasons or the twelve seasons, if you will, and it was wonderful. And, and we're actually performing tonight at the Morgan Library for their. Uh, for their evening benefit gala, that's one of the more important things that we do with Salome is, is basically collaborate with nonprofits across the country and sometimes across the, the world, and we help them raise money and awareness for their philanthropy. So we've actually helped raise over $4 million for our partner charities through the power of music. So it's very, very important to us, and we're excited. Tonight, tonight is the Morgan Gala, so we'll be performing pro bono for them. So Wow, that's fantastic to hear because, yes, music is such a healing force and mm-hmm. I mean you're saying it's been a long month it's been a long week mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, since, since November 8th and again I have been as neutral as I possibly can mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. because I'm an instrument to be of service to all and and of course there are times that I could see my emotions swaying to a particular mm-hmm. side of more empathy or more sense of, come on, be more accountable for your actions that's impacting the world. Mm-hmm. Sean, Lauren, and David, I would love to ask you a question that I've been asking a lot of our guests, regardless of their party affiliation. You're watching our country going through quite a unique state in our generation, mm-hmm. and I'm putting myself in your generation, even though I'm twice your age. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts about how we can now heal on a personal level and on a national level, because I think people are looking for tools, and meditation won't just be enough. People are looking for steps that they can take to get over whatever they're feeling right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a incredible. That's that's the, the most difficult question I think, and uh, that everyone is grasping with right now, because everyone, I think. You know, my brother David actually wrote for his Princeton thesis, his dissertation. He wrote it on the polarization of America, and that was in when it was that was in 2008. I don't want to bore you with that. There we go. Get into that. So it was, you know, it's very kind of a very verbose, you know, study about the politics. With myself, I actually studied political philosophy, so I studied, you know, more of the the thinkers and the the um, the founding fathers, you know, Jefferson, Madison, and then their reliance on thinkers like John Locke, some of the other thinkers in in England, and then also back to Cicero and to the Roman Republic. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that our country is a, right now, I think in my, you know, I'm 35 years old and I have other people my age who are very, um, you know, they've basically said that, and we feel this as well, the country has never been as divided as it's ever been, maybe during the Vietnam era and then going back forward, you know, going back to like the American Civil War. But right now, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of mixed emotions. A lot of, you know, a lot of people are, are mad on both sides. And I think what this election was, was really a referendum on ourselves and, and on all the kind of, you know, emotions that we have, the visceral uh, feelings we have towards the government towards uh you know you know party at the the media and also just you know like you said you mentioned about accountability so uh, you know the thing is we've seen this with a lot of these parties and and a lot of these movements one of them was bernie sanders with uh Mm -hmm. you know with the democratic party and the other one was donald trump so you have these two very fringe you know political movements that became mainstream right 
and um, hey. you know we can we can debate you know uh, the merits of each one and but but all of them are expressing certain anger that and frustration that the majority of Americans have towards the system whether it's the economy whether it's healthcare know, education healthcare you know right. they're angry you know you had the occupy wall street movements not too long ago that were going against wall street saying you know wall street has to be held accountable so we don't have another 2008 crisis happening again but and then also with the trump movement was that basically we've never had something like that of this kind of well going back to maybe barry goldwater but of this of this movement against you know this populist movement that is against the you know so-called what they call the establishment you establishment know, so, right yeah so you know there, I, I don't want to go into all the details here but yeah i mean this obviously has been yeah. on our minds on everyone's minds i mean i think that those are the more those are the mechanics of, of exactly what happened and i think moving forward i mean we always find you know to answer your question sister jenna to moving forward what we find is as very very useful and helpful is you know music i mean that's that's kind of right. in our that's kind of been our, I say, our therapy, and I think it served as therapy for a lot of people, not necessarily who actually play music, but to, to, who listen to it. So, you know, for us, I mean, you know, you know, we were watching the the 60 Minutes interview last night. We were watching Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live. You know, we're we're a country that moves forward. We we take what we get, and you know, we address it through our actions, through our through hard work, through you know, this is this so is determination, resilience. Exactly. Yeah. We, well, Lauren, exactly. I want to ask you. I want to ask you yes. a specific question. Being a woman, were you at all affected coming from the genre of just being a woman? That, wow, you know, this was a chance. Was that anyway a big criteria for you in your thinking? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really approach any election from from the perspective of my my gender. You know, I'd like to think that I'm an educated, you know, female, you know. Who entrepreneur? You know, there are some, there were certain things. You want that, to go beyond that, I, that? Exactly. There were certain things that I I wanted to prioritize and how I approached who I decided for. But you know, for me, it didn't really come down. Do I did I want to see the first female president of the United States? Of course. I mean, I I'm of the opinion that you know women are generally much better multitaskers than men. Um, <laughs> that we're that we're really. I mean, it's kind of true. We, we're really great at organization. You know, I thought I thought you know I thought Hillary was a was a good candidate. Jill Stein was a great candidate. You know, so there are women, and if you look at world politics, Angela Merkel, is, she's an an incredible. She's she's brilliant. You know, she's having certain issues right now with the refugee crisis in Germany, which we actually saw in person when we were in Cologne about a month ago. But you know, I didn't really vote with Put that in that mind. I wanted to, right. I mean, as I said, there there were certain things that I prioritized uh, in this election. Now. Um, that being said, I don't think we had two very good, you know, mainstream candidates. But, right, you know, for right. me, it was more of an issue of, of where I saw kind of the, the future. And and I, I do think that in the future, you, we are going to see a female president. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But I, it's just, I think for America, it came down to the actual candidate more than her gender. More than the gender. Um, I got that. Exactly. I got that. That was very well said. David, I think it's you that I might want to talk to because what I'd like to do now is to turn us to music. I mean, how did you and your siblings become so passionate about violence and what led you to become entrepreneurs and to start up the business or to get it going? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think we're, we're very blessed that we, we chose a path that 
Uh, I mean, our, our mother, um, Grace, uh, directed us when we were, you know, we were about four or five years old when we each started. And, you know, she was pretty much a single uh, mother raising us. And she was a, she was a teacher for, for 35 years, uh, started in uh, St. Albans, Jamaica, and, uh, you know, and New York City Board of Education. And, you know, for many, many years, I mean, had to deal with, you know, her, her job and then putting us through, you know, first in Manhattan School of Music and Juilliard. And it was very expensive doing that. So she relied a lot on mm-hmm. you know, financial aid. And, um, and then when we got into Juilliard and then uh, for pre-college and then we, we went to Princeton University, uh, we all went to Princeton University to study politics um, and economics. And, you know, it was very, very difficult. So I think, I think for, for us, I mean, we, we looked at this opportunity to, to make great music and, and to have the discipline in, in order to get to where we were. And, you know, I think, and I think this is where, reverting back to, you know, kind of culture in America, it, it really is has to do something with uh, your love and passion about getting into something so deeply and so passionately that everything else doesn't really, um, you know, Matt, it's not yeah. as important. You know, it, it, I think, um, you know, look, looking at everything that's going on, if, you know, if more people were into music and were more disciplined and, and had actually things to do and wouldn't be bored and, you know, to have after school, you know, music uh, programs and, and to look at, you know, instead of going out with friends and like, you know, parties and everything, for us, we always had the ability to, you know, to, to never even worry about that. We never even thought about going to parties, even even uh, in Princeton. I mean, we were, we were pretty clean cut. I mean, we, we never went to parties. We never went out because we were always so busy, you know, with academics and, and music. And that's throughout our lives. I mean, we had no time to even, you know, go with a lot of our friends out and, and do uh, a lot of things that we probably, you know, uh, regret in the future. And we're blessed that we had music and we had each other to to really learn from and and go and go to and mm-hmm. i think the passion of music is you know comes from my brother going to a lot of uh, different dealers around the world when we traveled and played concerts and and you know we, we got to to explore instruments and learn about instruments and the history behind them a lot of these instruments were owned by kings and queens and noblemen right. and the medici family the rock rothschild family and then you got into the stradivaris which were you know some of the greatest instruments ever made by you know human hand um, and they sound mm-hmm. better than, you know, they did when they were made in the 16 and 1700s. So I think, you oh, know, having, incredible. Having, yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, this, it's a very special uh, kind of world that we were a part of. And we were very luckily, uh, lucky and blessed that we had kind of the support system from our family to go into this and, and really be so passionate about something. And, you know, there's a sacrifice uh, to get there. But, you know, we, we're looking yeah. back right, at it right now and saying, you know, we're just we're just very happy in this moment. And I think I think actually looking at at all the various occupations that we could have chosen, I mean, I think this is by far the most uh, rewarding and the most rewarding, uh, yeah. yeah, and the most like positive inducing, not just for us, but just for everyone who's, you know, if you think about it, we could have been bankers, we could have been lawyers, we could have been, you know, doctors. But if, you know, there's there's so many there's so many professions out there which which you know don't necessarily elicit the same type of reaction. You know, music is the thing that brings everyone together, and so together. we're not only able to be around these kind of cultural icons, we're able to preserve them, we're able to share them with people who decide to own decide to own them or purchase them on behalf of either a young artist or you know just they they decide to give them to us to kind of curate the experience of what it means to own a Stradivarius. Around the world that you know that we work with are banks um, that actually loan these instruments out to young deserving artists, and they're just such a finite number of them. There may be about Stradivarius made about 1,100 instruments, 500 got destroyed, 600 are around, 400 went to museums. So you probably have 200 on the on the private market, of which maybe 50 to 
70 are all original complete and, you know, and sound amazing. So, I mean, there's just, it's just such a rarity factor to own or, you know, be around something so special. Um, and that's one of the reasons these instruments are in the millions of dollars and, you know, they command such a high price, um, not only because of the craftsmanship and the way that, you know, they sound, the wood selection. The rarity of them today in today's times. Thank you for letting us know a lot about that because I know many, many folks are not really aware of the value of the Stradivari or what it is. And I remember the moment that I heard you all at Whoopies, I immediately went to seeing a stadium filled with children, youths from, you know, the disenfranchised or a lower income bracket, understanding what real music sounds like. And I tell you, I just see that that is such a powerful tool to help to educate folks, to bring them to another level of of exposure and of what quality music is like. And so have you ever played for, like, youths and children who are, you know, at a lower income level who really haven't been exposed to another way of listening to music or understanding the history of music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of our good friends is, is Alonzo Mourning. And, um, you know, oh, in yeah. Miami, we just, we just came back from uh, one of his school, uh, you know, uh, the Overton um, uh, youth, uh, I forgot the actual program, youth yeah. program. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, but um, but Alonzo Morning is a fantastic, you know, guy. And we, we were really so happy just to share our music and talk to the kids that are, you know, also come from, you know, uh, lower uh, income families. And they have an after school program that's absolutely beautiful. I mean, you know, and these, these kids are, oh, yeah. you know, getting into like producing of music and getting into, you know, kind of design and all these you know, things and sports. And I mean, you know, you, you see kind of like the neighborhoods that they grow up in and you say, you say to yourself, I mean, I think, you know, what he's doing, Alonzo is, is doing is absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, and, and really helping, um, you know, make change. And I think this is the kind of positive change that we need to see. I mean, we've, we've played a lot of uh, concerts throughout, you know, LA and, you know, going to, to different, you know, Food banks, food banks uh, you know. uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish Family Service in L.A., Children's Hospital. Beautiful. For Family Focus Adoption Services, uh, help them raise mm. the money as well. So a large part of what we do is is to kind of collaborate with all of these charities to, to, to kind of help them. And in doing so, bringing a new audience, including underprivileged children who haven't been exposed to classical music as it is. I, if you have any ideas as well, Sister Jenna, maybe you could, uh, you know, fill out a, uh, a room or a stadium. Let us let us know and we'll, uh, we'll, come, and play. we'll come and play. So. <laughs> <Pleasure>. <laughs> My mind's already been thinking. I wanted you for a yeah. healing and reconciliation. I knew the room would have been filled for you. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the therapeutic benefits of music, especially your type. When everyone who's listening on the air, we are talking to the Carpenter family, Sean, Lauren, and David, who are exquisite violin performers and we met at Whoopies and today we're having a conversation about their work and we're looking at a time where we're really needing a little bit more meditation, reflection, introspection. What are some of the therapeutic or meditative benefits of particularly your type of music? Because I wouldn't say Little Wayne or Five Cents really puts me into meditation. <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, and, that, and, that's, and that's kind of the, the problem, uh, Sister Jenna, that we're having is that uh, <laughs> is that the culture that we live in today, right? And it's, and it's dominated mm-hmm. by these pop stars that, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, their persona and their, the values that they impart in, in our generation and the younger, the millennials, and even the younger generation are not really the overwhelming uh, values that 
will carry us toward, you know, a renaissance in, in culture and art. So, and the, the funny thing is, is that this really does begin at the fam at the family level, and it also begins at the school level. And I think a lot of uh, I'll get back into politics, but whoever, you know, whoever is the president, whoever puts forth agendas, they have to do more funding for the arts and for, for particularly music. Music has been cut back from a lot of schools, a lot of public schools. So it's something that we see as, uh, especially classical music, which, people, you know, there are scientists and there are neuroscientists that show that uh, classical music helps to improve cognitive uh, function. It improves, discipline. you know, a discipline. It's all about discipline. I think that's what, you know, learning a, and, and, and practicing every single day. I mean, it's kind of your therapy. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, for the last, I mean, I just turned 30, so uh, for the last 25 years, Practically every day since I was five years old, I picked up the instrument, I picked up my violin or viola, and I practiced. And I think having that dedication and love for something so much that you, you can't even, you know, spend two days away from the instrument that, you know, is, 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 it's like a part of you. Um, I think this right. is where, you know, kids have, again, I mean, if we, if we had this kind of discipline for a lot of the younger, you know, kids who actually find a way of making it a, a fun and, um, and, and really enjoyable process, then we wouldn't have a lot of these, you know, a lot of these kids, in, you know, joining gangs or going into and, and going into drugs and, and having all these, these problems with friends and parties and peer pressure. And I think this is what really just completely, you know, changed our lives. So, but to, to answer your question, I, my brothers love to, to deviate from, from, from answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to answer I think that the meditative qualities, I mean, of, of particularly classical music, I mean, I mean, opera is, is one thing, but, you know, we kind of have the benefit of not dealing with lyrics or kind of right. explicit messages, explicit, you know, words with references. Classical music, as it were, you know, we, we're dealing with notes and harmony and chamber music and collaborative. So everything really in the music, you know, people, everyone responds to a certain piece differently. And for us, it's, you know, we try to, to kind of program a music that, that's approachable, that people respond to immediately. But I think, you know, like anytime we're, we kind of need something to bring us up or... No. or yeah, uh, if, we're, if we're having a, a bad day or I just get or just angry or frustrated or anything... What we do, Pick it's it almost like a, it's almost a spiritual exercise. You you take your instrument out, and a lot of these, like we said, these are you know we have there are monetary values on these instruments, but for us they're priceless. So it's almost like a like a ritual. You you take the instrument out, you you and it, you know it's, it's it's clothed in satin and everything. You pick it up and you play on this, this instrument and you practice on it. And no matter how bad we feel about the world or events or anything that are going on personally. It's something that actually uh, lifts us up, uh, lifts our spirits up, lifts our uh, the way that we, you know, we feel good at the end. And I think a lot, and that's that's the problem that we're having in our society, which is that in order for people to to kind of transcend whatever we're doing, you know, now and and, and whatever we're seeing in the news, which let's be honest. 99% of the news is negative, regardless of political affiliation. You just get, you know, there are a lot of bad things that happen. And so the way that we can transcend that is through music and through practicing. And it's, it's, it's self-fulfillment. You yeah, know, it's, it's creating a, your own kind of little bubble um, right, where, you right. can, where you can kind, kind of, of protect go, yeah. yourself. And we don't, you know, we don't, you don't need drugs. You don't need anything else to do that. It's something that I think for us has sustained us throughout our lives has really helped us 
kind of progress, use the word progress, but something to just fulfill ourselves that you don't get through doing something else. I guess Sean is going to stay away from Coachella and Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so All right, so I'm good. Okay. So I'm going to ask you uh, a question that might be a little bit off the Thank charts. You. When you're traveling, how do you travel with those instruments, or do you take like your private Learjet from one state <laughs> to another, or one country to another? Because I would be biting my nails. I don't even care if I'm in first class. I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, I hope they. Can. Uh, that's that's a great question. We usually take a Global Express, but you know that's the best one. But it's funny, you know the. Um, you know, the the way we look at it is, you know, we, we do, I mean, we usually don't travel with our very expensive instruments. I mean, I have a recording coming up very soon in uh, March and May with the London Philharmonic in London, and I actually have to bring my, my great instruments. So sometimes it is a kind of nail-biting experience, you know, going through TSA and all these things. But <laughs> but the, the good thing is, um, you know, the, the pe- really people don't understand, like, what sometimes these values are. And, and most, I mean, 99.9% of instruments are not that expensive. I mean, like, in terms of, like, you know, you could, they're a few thousand dollars and, you know, they're, they're copies of, you know, Stradivarius. So to actually find a real Stradivarius is almost like finding a Vermeer painting or a Rembrandt or a Da Vinci. And I think this is why we don't like traveling with our expensive instruments. So, But, but even if we were, I mean, what, what's really fascinating about these instruments is that they've withstood 300 years of transportation throughout the world. I mean, and if you're thinking about 200 years ago, 300 years ago, when, when a violin would be transported with horse and buggy in cases which the case technology was, was far different and much worse than it, than it is today, you know, these things were, were transported on, on ship, you know. They've gone through the world wars. I mean, they've gone through the Napoleonic War. So they survive it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Napoleon's generals. Surprisingly well, I don't know, guys. I don't know. TSA is not easy. TSA is <laughs> not a ship. <laughs> no, but, you know, the funniest thing is, like, you know, when a lot of these guys are like, oh, so what is that, a Stradivarius? And, you know, sometimes we actually do have the Stradivariuses with us. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of funny just to see their reactions as well. But that's why we just, you know, usually say, please, please do not touch this. <laughs> but it, you can't really say that to a TSA officer because they'll like be suspicious. suspicious. So you kind of just go with oh. it. So that's kind of why. Sister Jenna, we like traveling together and that, you know, we all are very acutely aware of the values of these things, even though most people, you know, we could be standing on the corner of the street with a, you know, with a $5 million Stradivari violin in our hands. And no one will. Rolex in the other hand. Yeah, and the Rolex would be. People would look at the Rolex, Rolex, which is great, and people should go after the Rolex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, the funny part is just you know we we don't even kind of realize kind of the values because again there's no kind of other market for these instruments. I mean for paintings and everything there's kind of like a black market with a lot of these 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 paintings going on. But for violins, I mean each one has a unique story, and you know it's it's such a famous instrument that's been passed down Mm -hmm. through you know monarchs and all these. So you will know. Immediately, and there's—I don't think a lot of um, people on, on that market would would want to just perform on them in their in their closet or something, you know. Right. So I, yeah, I don't I think there's, uh, and, and I, I think we're very happy about that as well. And, and the fact that you cannot fake a Stradivarius. I mean, with paintings, you know, there have been a lot of old master paintings coming up on on the market that have been kind of forged and everything. But the great thing about instruments like Stradivarius is that you date the wood by um, dendrochronology, so it's almost like a carbon dating of the wood. And it basically, it, it just links up to other trees that Stradivarius would have, you know, used this wood from the 1500s or 1600s. And it's impossible to manipulate the Duplicate tree. Duplicate them, um, right. Because, 
Amazing. I don't want to come to an end with our conversation, but I must. And before I actually let you go, firstly, I loved our conversation. I just loved it. So energized. I just loved it. And another thing is, have you ever played for who we now can call President-elect Donald Trump? Or do you have any plans well, to maybe play at his inauguration? That would be amazing. Actually, our... Our last concert in uh, New York with uh, Lauren Bush Lauren, we, we actually played for the Feed Foundation. It, was, it started off as my recital with my orchestra, and then you know, we called up our friend uh, from Princeton, Lauren Bush Lauren, who is the granddaughter of George W. Bush and the niece of uh, And then we, we played for her Feed Foundation. So, you know, playing for, we raised actually a million meals for, you know, starving kids mm-hmm. around America, and not only America, but all, all throughout the world. And we're very, very proud of that. And actually, Ivanka and her husband came to that, that event, and, you know, and, and I think we, you know, so very, very sweet, um, you know, family. And uh, well, we, but won't be, we actually won't be in anywhere close to the United States inauguration. We're actually going to be in Australia and New Zealand that uh, that week. But I mean, I think, you know, I think what what President Obama did inviting certain artists like Yo-Yo Ma and Joshua Bell to perform at the White House, it's that Perlman was was fantastic. And I would absolutely welcome the opportunity to perform for any president at the White House. So sure. hopefully, yeah. Because again, it's like a kind of this message of, you know, yeah, we're all in it for unity and and we want you know as much peace and prosperity for the country as much as anyone else and i think um you know at, at the end of the day we have to just we, we really have to look forward we have to say look we're all products of you know we're, we're we're living on the same earth and we want the you know the best for everyone and i think the, we, hope, we hope that whoever the president is you know understands that and understands i think that you know everyone knows just how divided this country has been especially with this election So hopefully, you know, President-elect Trump will take that to heart and will say, okay, well, now we have to uh, just, you know, look at the entire country and, and you know, take everyone into consideration and, Mm. you know, uh, for this country. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. One of my favorite quotes by Plato, music gives Mm. a soul to the universe, Mm. wings to the mind, Mm. light to the imagination and life to everything. And I think that's what the three of you are doing through your music. And we thank you so much thank for that. You. Thank you so much. Mm. So much thank you for having us. Thank you. So leave us with a website that our listeners can get a hold of you. And if there's something that you'd like folks to know about any upcoming events, please let us know. We'd be happy to make sure we pass that on. Thank you. Yeah, I'm actually big on Instagram. So I, you know, my, my account, David Aaron Carpenter, and I usually post a lot of those music videos and concerts there and our big, our, our big gala actually will be on march 24th at the plaza hotel ballroom uh in new york so it'll be a thousand and one night themed uh, event and we've got uh got belly dancer we've got some tango dance i'm gonna probably de- dress up as aladdin so uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> and what's your Thank website you oh uh, yeah uh, well, we are, our violin website is carpenterviolence.com, and our orchestra's website is salomechamber.org. Thank you. Sean, Lauren, and David, you're incredible. Love you. And Thank you. let's see what we can do together to amplify more love and harmony as well as Wonderful. make the lives of people just abundant. And thank you so much for your service and your work. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 
So we used to think like it was really the famous kid in school, the jock, the person who's out there with everybody that, you know, they grow into something that's really magnificent. Well, you've got some youths also who didn't go out and party and smoked and played and tried to win over everyone's attention. They were studying, they were involved with their passion, they were maturing and mastering something. And look at, you know, Sean, David, and Lauren. Beautiful story. The Carpenters, folks, please visit them on their website. I hope you've enjoyed our wonderful, energizing conversation. I just love millennials. Just love them. Anyway, remember, no one can take away your happiness, and we are here to love each other the same. And I think definitely that is so more than anything else at this time. So we're going to end today's conversation with a very nice song. Let me see. What do we have here in the studio? What would be a nice ending of such a powerful conversation. Okay, what about we play you from Lucinda Drayton? Take care, everyone.